BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my friend Brian Hooper and John Sosa. You might recognize those names from the Patreon-only version of this feed. Uh, every time there is new Star Wars content out on Disney+, Plus, or I suppose wherever else that content is disseminated, Brian, John, and I do recaps and analyses of all the episodes, all the shows, and we figured that uh, we all loved Andor enough. We figured we would make sort of our season and recap free here on the main feed. So hope that you guys enjoy it. A reminder that if you did like this episode, you can get these bonus episodes on patreon.com slash takecast you can just tell a friend about the program or you can leave a rating or review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts now let's go ahead and get into the episode all right everyone welcoming in brian hooper and john sosa to the program uh this is our first time doing these shows on the free feed if you guys like this brian john and i do star wars recap analysis discussion of all the of all the the content that gets beamed into our veins by Disney Plus and uh, apparently Bob Iger now. So we do this every week, every episode of, of all the new stuff that comes out on uh, the, the the TakeCast Patreon feed. But this, uh, this is going to be free. This is going to be a season one slash episode 12 recap uh, discussion analysis conversation on Andor. So Brian, I will just I will just throw it to you here. Andor, give me give me a grade. Give me your give me your grade as television and give me your grade as Star Wars television. Okay. Um that's a good good way to look at it. I'm trying to tell I'm probably not the best judge of television. Um, but let's yeah, like sci-fi TV, I would give it I'd still I'd still give I'd give it about the same grade in both departments, like a 9.1 like really high that's like ridiculously high for me um so so i'd probably just give it the same grade i mean i'm trying to think of like a lot of the sci-fi um like if someone recommends sci-fi to me um i generally i generally don't like it um yeah in the last i don't know five years ten years so i think it, it crushes there i guess i could see i could see someone who who likes kind of that cheesy sci-fi and stuff like that not really liking this 
Yeah, um, like if Star if Stargate Atlantis or or something was like your favorite sci-fi, I could yeah. see you being like, what's the what's the point of this? Uh what about what about you, John? So in terms of Star Wars content, this is a 10 out of 10. I don't think it gets any better than this. Um uh I was so we'll get into the episode, the finale itself. Despite being a little underwhelmed by the finale, um, it's still a 10 out of 10 in terms of Star Wars content, especially when you consider what had been put out prior to this with the Obi-Wan series and the Book of Boba Fett series. This just far and away blew away those two from a content perspective. And I don't think I've been this engaged with a Star Wars TV show since season one of The Mandalorian. Um, So 10 out of 10 on that front. As it pertains to like TV as a whole, I mean, I don't, like this show is not the wire the show is not breaking bad it's not like in that upper echelon of just tv shows i think it's a really good like second tier show that i'd feel comfortable lumping in with that category but i don't think we're treading into like greatest tv show of all time territory all that being said i still think it's worth your time and since we're on the free feed now one of the things that we've been talking about behind the paywall all season was this is a show that you could watch with your wife or your girlfriend or anybody that wasn't a fan of Star Wars, and they probably would find something to, you know, find the show to be interesting in some capacity. So I think that speaks volumes to the show, whereas I don't know if they would have found, like, The Mandalorian to be fascinating outside of just, like, thinking Grogu is cute. So um, from that perspective, I really do think it's good TV, but I don't think it's, like, in the upper echelon of TV that's been rolled out in the past past like 10 years or so yeah i got it i got it as like a good b you know if this was uh if this was a prestige drama on hbo and it was you know slightly altered to be you know not science fiction and they were just escaping from you know i don't know an alcatraz parable uh or or parallel and they were you know there there were no aliens it was you know like whatever it would still be a really good show um, I don't even think you needed to have seen. Uh, I don't think you needed to have seen Rogue One, uh, and and no. I mean, in fact, maybe the show would be even better if you if you didn't know what happened. If if you had the um, the suspension of disbelief and and not knowing if Cassian lives or dies, not knowing you know what his eventual fate is, I think I think you could probably argue um, that it might even be better, which I think is um, is pretty interesting. But to me, I got it. Empire Strikes Back is yeah. is the greatest star wars i got a new hope number two yeah. rogue mm-hmm. one the movie number three and i think if if you allowed me to put episode 10 or let's just say that arc let's say episode 8 9 10 as if you made that a feature film i would put that as like the fourth greatest culmination of star wars and and john did say it i mean i don't even really think it's their fault but the the 12th and final episode a little underwhelming not that it was bad not that uh i i you know i i turned the the tv off and i was like yeah you know that stunk i think it was just more what did we really want them to do like uh, like what okay. i don't i i you know i was kind of thinking for and and brian has said this before on the paywall shows but it's like when you're watching a show that's bad or or that slightly underwhelms you you think of like well this is how i would have done it and so i started to have that thought of like okay well th- what would i would have done and I, I couldn't really come up with anything that was more dramatic or more fulfilling that wouldn't have just brought us to the natural conclusion of all of these guys' storylines. Because I think 
probably the the more emotionally satisfying thing would have been we we will figure out Luthen's whole deal why he's doing this where he came from yada yada and then he dies and like eventually when Luthen dies that will be super uh you know circular storytelling it'll bring us from point a to point b and it'll kind of close the loop but at the here at the end we we the loop is not closed we're like halfway through the loop i i I think um they should have used my idea of uh you know 11 year old leia organa busting (laughs) busting in saving the day no um you know really quick my ranks would be empire a new hope the first act of return of the jedi then this and then and then rogue one i like this better than rogue one uh rogue one was like a reshot movie and like the gil not all both gilroys were on i think and and there was there were some issues with that you know it's it's fine but that 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 would be my ranking i will say this though about the general kind of talk i see on you know the star wars content out there there you can have some of these people be alive during a new hope Sure. There's like we didn't sure, get yeah. like that deep into the rebellion and the new hope or any of the movies. So I see no I see no reason why they can't have a third season, or I know they're not gonna do a third season, but just in theory, a third season or a spin-off show that ha- that is during the events of a new hope, which actually could probably be pretty pretty cool. Um yeah. so like Luthan pro- Luthan probably has to die. I don't, I'm not even sure. Like, let's leave the EU out of it and the books and stuff like that. I don't even think he has to, has to die. I mean, I'm like 99% sure he's going to in the series, but um, there's not like a new hope has nothing to do with like the rebellion and the inner workings or anything like that. So like some of these guys could still be alive. So that's a, so that's a really good point. And it's one thing that they kind of alluded to in the episode is they've, they've talked about it throughout the season with these like pockets of the rebellion popping up in different places it almost presents an opportunity for a different show that brian to your point could run in conjunction at the same timeline as a new hope we're seeing all of these like that it was funny that they said insurrection in the episode but all of these insurrections within the star wars universe and like these different conflicts because it just gives us a different lens into the rebellion itself and it doesn't make us think, oh, like this stops and ends with the Skywalkers because we know that not to be true. That's another thing that we've been talking about that this show has been refreshing in a sense is that for so long, all of the Star Wars content has been so like Skywalker related. And the first time we really veered from that in a way, we still got back to it, was in the Mandalorian. This is the first Star Wars series that we've had with no lightsabers, no Skywalkers, no Jedis that we know of. Um, and it's been very refreshing to just kind of exist within the Star Wars universe and not feel like we have to touch on the Force and, you know, Jedis and all of that action stuff. So I think there could be a real opportunity for this show or an idea like this show to exist in the future um, as kind of like a, you know, a side-by-side uh, time period of, of A New Hope. So that, that's a really good call out. Something yeah, I, pic- I, picture like this, okay? Gilroy's won't do it anymore. New new guy comes in. General Riva. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> no. You could you know like she, well, she's alive. Gonna, yeah. This show's gonna pick up steam. It's eventually gonna get more popular. Same thing happened in the Mandalorian. People are gonna love it. I, I did see that the finale got uh like you know the, the usage metrics for streaming shows are a little bit different. 
but it was the uh, I, I believe the second most popular streaming finale of 2022 which are other you know other than really the all the all the stuff that you would expect you know house of dragon rings of power things like that yeah it it did much better thus far than anticipated um which which seems good because we were we were worried about that oh and obi-wan in, in like in Bo- book both fight and obi-wan in the sequel trilogy like ruined a lot of people no one a lot of people didn't watch this because of the, the that content a lot. So uh, it, it's kind of unfair. It would have been yeah. lower anyways, too, because it's not Obi-Wan. It's not Darth Vader. It's like a lesser character. It should have been lower than coming off of all this shitty ass Disney content. It's understandable that if well, it was lower, but I think it's going to pick up. Well, and for it not having like these mainstay characters that we're so used to, I mean, what the arguably the most recognizable character in the entire series is Mon Mothma and like your average Star Wars fan may not even know who that is so all that being said I think that even given the fact that there wasn't like the fan favorites or the hits within this series they still did a really good job of telling a very compelling story that you could get behind regardless of whether you're a Star Wars fan or not because I mean again we keep going back to this fact but if you take out the Star Wars aspect of this show, it's still a really good television show. Um, so I think that that's really what it had going for it. And I mean, speaking to just all of the Star Wars content that has come out recently, I mean, you won't find a bigger Star Wars fan than myself. And I I've, I will support anything that, you know, Star Wars comes out with. I had incredibly low expectations going to the show, especially given how, you know, Book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan went. I mean, for the expectations that I had, like this could not have been more of a home run, which why to Davis's point, it was really disappointing to hear that the ratings for this show were not that great despite the content. And I think um, something we've talked about uh, behind the paywall that we'll start to see kind of come to fruition is this show is going to age incredibly well, especially once it's finished. So once we get the second 12 episodes, which I assume is coming out in, you know, the next two years or so, once that story is complete, um, I think that people will look more fondly back on the first couple of episodes where they not may not have been as well received at, at the start. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think probably what's going to age the best in this show is, is, is all of the political undertones. I mean, I think that the most powerful stuff, the stuff that I remember, I, that there was a great line from the uh the episode one through six character nemic about how uh tyranny is actually a natural fascism and and clamping down on people it's it's hard work and i think that's i mean the you know probably the 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 most interesting thing about this time of um star wars is that we we feel no pathos for any of the villains we don't we don't care about palpatine vader doesn't make an appearance in this show like we like the, the thing that makes the original Star Wars trilogy so great is that eventually we we come to empathize with the villain. We come to empathize with Darth Vader, uh, which is very hard to do in storytelling, right? To make the, to have you feel pathos for both your antagonist and your protagonist. And so it, it's it's hard work creating an interesting dynamic, an interesting story where it's it's good versus evil, right? And I, I just I think that the show did a, particularly with with Luthen's character such a great job of showing like, okay, well the evil people are evil, but the the good people aren't necessarily the good guys, right? I mean, 
you know, Luthen is 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 sending everyone to Spellhouse out to die. And I also loved, I, I thought that was one of the coolest things Gilroy did. It's like, bro, it's not that type of show. Anto Kriegers is dying off screen. Marva's dead. You didn't get to see her die. Like all this stuff is happening off screen, which I thought was, um, I don't know, it was, certainly it was a choice and not a choice that I think Favreau and Filoni would have made for sure. Definitely. Did you, did you, what did you think of Luthen's reaction to Marva's speech at the end? And let me really quick before you guys answer that, there's a lot also in the Star Wars content universe. I keep hearing, uh, well, maybe now Luthen will be, you know, good or whatever. It's like, he is good from a certain point of view. From a right? certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I don't want him to be good. Like, I really like that aspect of it, of the pragmatism of, you know, playing this dirty game and what it takes to win and not living by like the principles of whatever goodness is or Jedi's like they lost, they lost the game. They're dead. Right. And so he's yeah. trying something anyways, go like, what do you guys think of his reaction and just that whole, that whole plot line? So I think you could even go as far to say as his reaction to that, because obviously we know that Andor lives past the end of this season, but Davis, to your point, I think it would be really cool if you didn't have the context of uh, what happens to him. But I think you could even go as far to say it's like one of the reasons why you know, Luthen's mind was changed and maybe wants Andor to be a part of this rebellion is seeing that speech from his mother and just knowing how deep-seated, whether Andor realizes it or not, um, he was kind of born to be a rebel. And I think that that's what the show is clearly trying to show is all of these events have hardened him to where we eventually catch up to him when Rogue One, that he was a rebel all along. He just needed to realize it himself. So I, I, I think that I thought her speech was the best part of the episode, just seeing that ignite the the kind of riot that goes on in Ferrix. That was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that that was a pretty pivotal point in the episode and probably the reason why Luthen ends up inviting Cassian into the rebellion. Um, so I guess my take on Luthen would be, is this was one of the things that just didn't really work for me. In in the context of this show, I'm not saying, I'm not saying... Uh, there wasn't plot reasons for it or whatever, but he doesn't material impact the plot until the end. We just needed, we needed connective tissue between Luthen and Cassian and getting him out of there. But, but really Vel and Cinta are, are more than capable of handling this scene, right? They're more than capable of, of finding and or shooting him in the back, whatever. We just need Luthen there. And again, it's like, well, what would I have done if I wrote the show? I mean, it does make sense for everyone to have come down. It, it makes sense to have everyone, you know, come to Ferrix or whatever. And there there are like big galactic reasons. I mean, Dedra's there, Cyril's there and, and all that stuff. But it was just, you know, and, and, and the closing line of like, you know, you got to kill me or take me with you. Like whatever, you know, I mean, it, okay. it was fine. It was fine. I'm not like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad, but it's like, when I, you know, two weeks from now, if someone's like, hey, should I watch that Andor show? I'm not going to be like, oh, you can't, you're not going to believe this scene at the end. I'm going to be like, right. you're not going to believe the the prison break, right? You're not going to believe the the heist. Wow. I didn't know you were a sexist, Davis, and a racist. Um, <laughs> this show was perfect. <laughs> this show is absolutely perfect. Some issues, some issues I, so some issues I had since, since you mentioned one is what, like, they should have wanted to kill Bix. Cause she knows who he is, but they never kind of mentioned that thread at all. And like, 
trying who, to kill who, her right who, then. Who, who wants to kill Bix? Luthen, she's Luthen, she's seen Luthen, so she should he should want to kill her. They never even mention it. And and if you go back in the when early did, episodes, Bix, there's a scene where they're together. Okay. So yeah. it is in the show, and it's not just okay. we assume it. Uh, but they never mention that. Deirdre walking around like she's fucking on Scooby-Doo, like looking for the bad guy didn't make any sense to me. It's like, what are you going to do, lady? Like, you're going to jujitsu him down to the ground if you catch him? Like, that didn't make any sense there at the end. That didn't seem smart. And, like, you would still be able to use snipers with, like, we know there's, like, these darts in, in Star Wars, right? And, like, because it's also in, like, the second episode or whatever where the, the Andor kit, uh, the the uh andor as the kid uses it right on that that guy like there's a stun gun so like none of that made sense to me um they could have built up the like the the mood of ferrix and how everyone loves each other so much and the closeness of Cassie and a lot of the people there they didn't build that up a lot now we were complaining that they were doing too much ferrix so it's kind of hypocritical to say that they should have done more but like this whole love affair between the people of Ferrix was a little unearned for me because like I and I think they could have done uh, a little more time on that. All that stuff though is kind of still. No, I I don't I don't echo I don't I don't echo that criticism. I think they I think they did do a good job of building that up, kind of in in not necessarily spoken ways. Um, so like you know the the bricks of Ferrix I think tells you a lot about their society and their culture. I think you can tell in the opening episodes about how they 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 all work in the same place right and they all go to go get their gloves off that wall i mean i, th I think i think it's kind of stuff you pick up via osmosis like you understand this is a very tight-knit small like little outpost or whatever yeah see i don't know i just disagree like because in the first episode they make him seem more of an outcast of anything he owes people money right and like that that the the guy who eventually turns see, him in at the see, end. See, I I get it. It's it's I see again. I think he's like he's like your 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 shithead cousin who shows up to Thanksgiving dinner high, but he's everyone's favorite shithead cousin. Like everyone loves him. He, he's he's Han Solo. He's the lovable yeah. scoundrel. Well, just because the, just because that character exists in reality, like you have to show me. Like it has to be in the fair, show. Fair. I can't just go. Oh, these characters exist. I guess he's like that. My cousin. It's like, well, he, you have to like spell it out or like you have to earn it. Like, cause they do everything else so meticulously and it makes, you know, everything makes sense. Every scene has like, uh, you know, makes sense for different reasons. Like, like the whole prison thing. Uh, one of the things I really did like in the last episode was Mon Mothma, you know, setting up her setting up her husband but really using the 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 spy this was himself. this was so so he's a degenerate you know, like us yeah yeah <laughs> so all season long we're like dude when is mon gonna make the leap when is mon go like when are when is she gonna join the rebellion and in a way i think that this episode does this in a very casual way because at the same time she sells out her husband right she she's selling out at, at her husband she's being like yeah, I mean, this guy is a sick, degenerate gambler. He he gambled away 400,000 credits, and that's why there's no explanation. And that's not stopping her, even getting the Imperial attention off. She's marrying off her daughter, dude. She don't care. That's it. She's selling off her family so that the rebellion can continue to be funded. I like she, She's ready. Her In her own way, she made a huge sacrifice here, too. 
Yeah, and yeah. we were wondering all season, like, how that was going to start to come to fruition because they were kind of, like, skirting around, like, the idea of Mon Mothman joining the Rebellion, and we were always like, well, yeah, because, you know, but she has her daughter and, like, her husband and, like, clearly the responsibilities that she had on Coruscant. But I thought that they did a really good job of kind of tying her storyline together as best they could in this last episode. It does leave some doors open for them to revisit it in season two, which I feel like they will. Um, but I was really pleased with the way that they uh, they rounded out Mom Mothma's story for this season. I thought that that was very well done. And she she's a great character. I mean, I, well, yeah. I don't know if she's a great character, but Genevieve O'Reilly is, is really she, good they, at playing yeah. her. They couldn't have cast a better actress to play her. That is for sure. So next season yeah. will be interesting. Next season with her will hope. I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's the, it's still good the way they're going to handle it. But really you quick, know, back back to De- Deirdre. Like yeah. it just it, it's just so annoying that to, to me because it felt a lot really contrived and the show's not like that at all because they're like we know we need to get Cyril and Deirdre together. Okay, <laughs> what if he saves her? Right, and they're like, okay, let's just have him save her because it's like it's like I really hate when you use contrivance to make plot ends meet that betrays the character's you know modus operandi like she's smart as fuck she's she she's not gonna make Mm. mistakes so she's very smart but in a way she is a she is um she's a fanatic right she is um like she she is very and she you can also tell she has no experience with real world conflict like the way she's studying these things is like it's how you'd you'd master like an MMO RPG or something like that. Like you can tell she has very little experience of what happens when shit starts flying for real. So I I don't yeah. I don't that I get, that part. I, that, also fine that's by fair. Me. Like it's fair. Like she can't handle a, a riot and stuff like that. But what I can't think of a logical reason for doing what she did, which is what I'm talking about, is her and two guards went looking for Andor, what yeah. was she going to do? So I think the reason why, like, in theory, I guess the reason why she did that is because it seemed like everybody was like, hey, like, when we see him, we're going to kill him. And she was very by the book, like, no, we need to take him in alive. And when it became abundantly clear to her that it seemed like the Empire wasn't following those orders, she was like, okay, I need to take this into my own hands and I need to make sure that he comes in alive. So that's why the way that I get I it. But like, how do you it. get him? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, then that, that's a great point. Like, are you going to like hand <laughs> it's like that, and bring that him in meme, then, right? Yeah, Idea, a, question mark, profit. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go get him, question mark, and then I have him. Like, what does she have a net? Does she have any? Like, is she is she some sort of master of hand combat? Right. Because yeah. what way more likely is going to happen is that is Andor fight, sees her and shoots her in the face. Like, she mm-hmm. had not, like, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I really think it was contrived because they need her to get in trouble so Cyril comes and saves him so they have to like we, okay she's gonna go look at him because she doesn't trust everyone because uh, they're gonna kill Andor it's like it, it, I don't know it didn't make any sense to me well I thought we were heading for another like Kylo Ren and Rey moment from the sequel yeah. trilogy at the very end there like I thought that they were gonna like have their have their kiss and you know that was gonna be that, and I was like, man, that'd be an awful end to this storyline. But I'm glad that they didn't take it that direction. But why, who knows why, what will happen with the two of them going forward? Why is the Star Wars world so opposed to romance? Like Han and Leia Wait. had a romantic relationship, right? Like, I mean, Leia kissed Luke. You know, it's incest, but yeah. whatever. She didn't know. Um, 
Like, why are we so opposed to care? Like, I understand we don't want to show nudity in whatever an actual sex scene stuff like that. I'm, th- you know, it's a PG thirteen um, franchise, but like, why not? Why can't characters? I don't, I don't get the total hate of so, that. It seems like lots of people hate it. So my thought on that is that it's just never been like, and this is such a bad answer, but it's kind of the way that I think about it. It's just never been a part of Star Wars. So I don't know if anybody is really feeling the rush to make it a part of Star Wars, if that makes sense. So like, I don't know if they think that it'd be taking away from like the action or just like putting something in our faces that we're just not used to at all. I mean, it's 2022. I mean, I think that writers and it look like if there was any writer that was going to take a shot on something like that, it would have been Gilroy. So it's unfortunate that it didn't come to fruition in this show. But I think that that's probably the line of thinking. It's, hey, like this has never been a part of Star Wars. So why do we want to start doing it right now? It's a terrible answer, but I guarantee you that's what the conversation is, is at Disney. So yeah, Irving Kirshner said in, in the Star Wars universe, a kiss is equivalent to banging um that was that was which means which means that according which means that according to Irvin Kirshner Luke and Leia banged in in Empire Strikes Back oh I'm sure wait a second <laughs> so off it off it is the West no Virginia, no the no Clea no Clea in this episode which I suppose uh take like we like some people were maybe theorizing like oh you know she's she's uh more involved than we thought she she calls some of the shots or whatever but we're pretty clearly she is left to um you know clean clean up the mess she's she's taking care of the shop so she might she, and she might not even be a character that she like she might not even be in the second season of this show at all pretty pretty minor character yeah it'd be interesting to see what they where they go can he show his face anymore luthan because his ship do you have to like take a ship somewhere well, no one, no one recognized the, no one recognized the ship this week. It, did, it didn't make a lot of sense that he beat Luthen back to his ship, by the way, either, because Luthen was taking that fast ass motorcycle thing, and he had to drop off Bix, who could barely walk, and beat him there by a healthy margin, because clearly he left his gun there. That didn't, that didn't really match up. But whatever, I guess it's fine. You know, two predictions, things. Um, one was well is Luthen a Jedi and the other one is John's prediction that um Cyril's mom isn't real you guys want to talk or, about or is dead is we we got a Norman Bates situation yeah or yeah. uh six cents or what is it fifth cent what's so, the uh six, six cents six yeah cents. yeah so so let me let me elaborate for the folks at home that may not be behind the paywall so the idea is that so there's been a good dialogue between Cyril and his mother uh, since he was, um, God, what was the name of the planet from the very first episode that he got removed? Morlana from? One. Thank you, Morlana One. So ever since he got home from Morlana One, um, if you pay very close attention to the dialogue itself between him and his mother, it's always in that same like apartment that they're in. His mother never talks to anybody else. Um, there's a couple of lines that kind of allude to you know, her either perishing before he got home or while he was on Morlana One. Um, there's there's a couple of good articles out there if you Google like Cyril's mother dead or something like that, you can read about it. But um, yeah, that that was one of the theories that I had clung to. And it doesn't, the, with the way that they left Cyril's character, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is not true. It just could be something that we get revealed to us in the second season. So I still think that there's a very real chance 
that they go back and examine that. I think people actually received Cyril as a character better than I thought that they would. Like, I'm still invested in figuring out, like, you know, where does Cyril go from here? Where does Deidre go from here? Obviously, they're going to intertwine those two characters based on the way that they left everything. But I would imagine we probably get an explanation. I, I just, with the way that, with how much screen time the dialogue between him and, him and his mother got this season, I struggle to see her being a throwaway character at, at any point in time. So I really do think that we'll revisit the two, the, the two of them's relationship and that we will find out that uh, Cyril's mother is either dead or some type of ghost or something like that. So um, I still think that that is a very live possibility. So Gil, Gilroy did comment on this. I just saw, and it doesn't oh. disprove your I, theory. And I do really like your theory. But he says the reason that he she feeds him cereal is because she treats him like a child. Like a child. Yeah. Sure. So like that's one of the reasons why I thought your, your theory is so intriguing is wouldn't she make him real meals? Like why would she only give him it's in the and the house looks like a bachelor's house. And again, he would have money. He wouldn't have to move in with his mom the right. day after he gets fired. That makes no sense. So like all that makes sense. I kind of, I, I like your, your theory. Cause it's like, Oh my God, all those pieces do fit, but I kind of wish, I hope it's not true because there's also this underlying um, like plot idea through this whole show that I really like. We talk about on the show on the uh, paywall shows that most of the people in the galaxy would be on the empire side. They wouldn't know he's evil. And most people believe whatever they're told anyways, whatever the news says. And so Cyril is kind of this interesting guy in that way too. Like there's also going to be these guys who aren't evil. They just, they're just like, they're just like the guys who work in the Nazi regime, right? Like these people existed. Cyril, and Cyril is a dude who watches too much Tucker Carlson basically in, in our <laughs> universe. Like that's really, that's really what he is. He is a dude who is being, who has been manipulated by ideological fascists, like for, for their own gains. But I mean, I mean, I don't think you even have to put Tucker into the, the mix here. Like, just for example, like, I know we're meat eaters here, but you could understand uh, the point of view of someone who's a vegan or, and thinks it's unethical to eat. And they think you guys are committing this huge atrocity, right? But we just live in a world of mostly meat eaters, so we're fine with it. You know what I'm saying? So like, you don't have to be evil. It's just the way the world is. And most people would be like this. And so sure. like a lot of like, cause everyone thinks they wouldn't be, you know, part of the Nazi regime if they were born in Germany in 1920 or something. But the fact is you probably, you would. probably you know, would be. Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't be an abolitionist in 1950 either. You would, you probably wouldn't. It's just the math of it all. Um, and so like those characters exist that they're not really evil. And so like by putting in this mental condition, like it kind of ruins that a little bit. I'm okay with his mom being neurotic. Like, and then he's just, Hey, this, they has a, a big percentage of the empire has to be normal people. It's so vast and so big. It just has to be. And it's just the way it works. So like, I really like that kind of uh, underlying idea going on throughout this whole thing that they don't really put in your face, but it's there. I mean, that I think is probably actually the the brilliance of, of the show. And it's why I think you will get an equal number of, uh, you know, just normal Star Wars people, normal TV watchers, and sort of people who have like grander ideas about the universe and politics and things. Because I, Gilroy is like a big 
history guy. He he loves like he's very fascinated by the Russian Revolution, World War One, things like that. And I think a, a lot of that comes through in in this because the you know the the really I I think the key event of the finale is we see one of you know what has to be literally millions of these small uprisings, which is these people saying enough, you know, enough already. Um, and and having you know ever there there will be leaders in all these different places and i think a large part of what the second season of this show is going to be about is going to be what is fiona shaw's character say there's there's millions of battalions who don't know they've entered the war or, or no, that's yeah. nemec that's nemec um nemec. yeah 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 so which i i think is uh i mean I, I think that's a really strong point and i think is is like that's just good that's that is just human storytelling that's not star wars that's not the empire that is just human history which is that many rebellions start in a small way because tyranny is unnatural it's unnatural to control all human beings behavior all the time yeah everyone's evil like come on like that's not like that's not possible right in like the um the office that cyril works for now now obviously he's going to get promoted but you know they showed like tens of thousands of people they're all just super evil accountants there like no they're just doing their job you know so like i i think when you're getting into the nitty-gritty of this it's awesome now they have to do a lot of evil things in the empire to stoke the rebellion right we need this huge this huge plot line but like um i don't i like it doesn't make sense that everybody in the empire would be would be evil uh the other one was luthan is a jedi What, what what are you guys thinking on that now I still think I don't that that I is, just don't want it to be the case. I don't want it to be true, but I still think it is possible to be true. So I, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip. I thought but I think our last one we did, I think I said most likely he is. Now I'm gonna say most likely he's not. One one so thing it, one of the things that, is uh he keeps he keeps getting surprised, right? He was surprised by that, what is it, in interdictor, whatever that ship that stops you that he was surprised by yeah. Cassie in here at the end. And like I re- and I also I really dislike the um, that Jedi's can cut themselves off from the Force. Yeah, I think that's a, a a shitty plot device and shitty writing. And whoever was the first one to start that should fucking be shot. I really and it's not just Last Jedi because I or um yeah whatever Last Jedi that's the shitty. You just want to kill Ryan Johnson. Uh, it's not yeah, just because of him. It's I Ryan just Johnson's think it's dumb. Fault. I think it's I just, like, no. Oh, I don't. Well, I don't think it do? was. I don't think it was Ryan Johnson. I think it was JJ. <laughs> I hate that shit. I mean, it's, it's not, they didn't start it. Like I'm pretty sure it was in the books too. Um, and I just can't stand that whole, that whole, uh, I think it's completely just shoddy, shoddy writing. So like he would have to then be completely cut off somehow and be surprised by all these things too. Otherwise he's, he's not a Jedi. So like, I just think, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking he's not. He's not, he's not, he's not a Jedi. He is way too morally gray to be a Jedi. Or what what used to be a Jedi has force sensitive, let's say force sensitive. No, no, no Jedi would have ever signed off on sending 30 dudes and Krieger to go die at Spellhouse. That goes against Anakin Skywalker. What I was going to say, what a Jedi that went through order 66 and saw all that stuff happen. Like Reva. I think we're just so yeah. <laughs> so I think we're just so like programmed to think that like a Jedi is going to like inherently do the right thing and do good, but like clearly we saw the most powerful Jedi ever turn to the Sith. So like, what's stopping someone from 
Like, I mean, they, they've alluded to it in, in, you know, past content, like the Jedi's are almost like a cult in the way that they behave. So I don't think that there's any reason not to believe that someone would be like, Hey, like, yeah, this was a part of my past, but I'm going to use some of that. But now I kind of see things in a different light and I'm going to react a different way. So, I mean, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I think it's, I think it's improbable, but not, or unlikely, sorry, it's unlikely, but I still think that that, that's a direction that they get to go to, because I feel like at the end of the day, one of the complaints from just like your mouth-breathing Star Wars fan about this show is, where were the lightsabers? Where were the Jedis? And making Luthen a Jedi is a very easy, in the second season, is a very easy way to kind of tie all that together and give the, just the normies what they want. So I still think that that is an avenue that they could take. Well, you know, another thing that uh, people don't want to talk about is that this show more successful than people thought as it gained kind of critical steam. The streaming numbers started to get better. Bob Iger just took over Disney again. I mean, are we like this fella might step in and be like, you know what? You're doing a good job here, Mr. Gilroy. What What if we add an extra season? What if we what if we crowbar in another season? What if what if you know you you haven't you haven't done anything you can't undo? Why don't we do 24 more episodes of this show instead of 12 more episodes of this show? Which, you know, I mean, seems fine. I, I think I think 24 episodes is the right number. I'm never gonna say no to more Star Wars. Uh, I mean, especially Diego Luna. The guy guy's unbelievable, but I so think good. it does kind of water down. Uh, the quality, the quality of it a little bit. It do you think Gilroy would ever? Do you think he'd ever do a movie? He said I he doesn't. Say- he, he said, "I don't want to do five years of." I, he said, "I don't want this to be the next five years of my life." But as uh, as Brian will tell you, you make that yeah. paycheck big enough, and yeah. you got it. Do, yeah, they yeah dump a, a boatload of money in your in your driveway. And- you just got to do it. I think who knows though, maybe well, not. Well, I feel um, like he would be, I feel like he'd be like a really good person to like take the movies in a different direction, especially given how unfavorable the sequels were viewed. And like, you can still use Favreau and Filoni as like creative references for the movies, but like put the writing in somebody else's hands that can give us something that we're not expecting when seeing star Wars on the big screen. Because I think that, among other things that folks really didn't like about the sequel trilogy, it just it was like essentially a remake of the original trilogies with new characters and new places. So, like, give give it to somebody that can give us a fresh idea. Like this show, if anything, was nothing that we'd seen in the Star Wars universe thus far. So, why not translate and see that on the big screen? My my only fear, I said this a few of our podcasts ago, is this like Walking Dead type of thing happening. Where like after like the third or fourth season, you're like, wait, this is the exact same show just over and over again, getting worse. So like if if it's oh, Castian's in trouble again, they have him again. They have to bust him out. Okay, three episodes later, he's out. Okay, he's getting caught again. Three episodes later, he's out. Like if they keep doing that trope, and they just have to spread it out for another season now, like you know, no, no none, none of that. I mean, that'll be like if if we get if we are reduced to monster of the week type stuff with him. With, the, with this character, with this show, I, I would hate that. That's horrible. I mean, it, yeah. If you're going to tell me good Star Wars for an extra season, I'm going to say thank you, yes. If you're going to tell me it's got a chance of uh, of uh, Walking Dead syndrome, and then I'm like, yeah, let's just 
we got a really good thing going. Let's just keep it 24 or 24 into a movie would be awesome too. Like, I mean, I think that well, they already oh, got yeah, the movie. That, that Yevon scene is perfect. Like during a new hope, during the events of a new hope and, or out, you know, after rogue one, maybe in between there, something like that uh, could be fun. Like even like there was like some of the old books and stuff, like the in-between the movie years were always fun. I always, I always thought. <clears throat> yeah. I, I think, uh, by the way, if just, if we're talking about things that we want to see in the star Wars universe, if I, if, if Kathleen Kennedy came to me and said, you can, you can put all these creative people to work and, and have your show created. I think a clone wars esque version of young, Qui-Gon and you know he so he's he is Dooku's apprentice and everything and we got a little bit of that in Tales of the Jedi but basically Qui-Gon as the main character um and and maybe that could even dovetail in with the stuff they're doing with the High Republic I would be I would be potentially a little bit yeah I'd be I'd be fine with that I think I think the High Republic show is going to be very similar to this where people are not going to know what to do with it at first but it'll be really visually uh, entertaining and stuff but th- those those books are terrible so i don't have super high hopes yeah. for the show i don't have high hopes for it either mm-hmm. and it's going to be like an era of star wars that no one is familiar with so i, I don't know again i i feel like even so th- this is so this is something interesting that i'd like to get y'all's opinion on so we have this show and we know that it's coming with the second season we know that there are different star wars ventures and different star wars shows coming out within the next year or so do you immediately reset at ground zero in terms of your expectations for Star Wars shows that are not Andor after this? Like, do you fully, I, I forget exactly what the next Star Wars show is that is coming out, but like, are you fully expecting that to be like six, ep- I, I know it'll be like a six episode miniseries that is just like on par with like Book of Boba Fett or Obi-Wan, or do you think that maybe they take some pieces from this and kind of incorporate it into these shows going forward, just given the critical acclaim of the show? Because again, there hasn't been critical acclaim for a Star Wars show like this since The Mandalorian. So maybe they take something from this, but curious to get y'all's thoughts on that. Well, I got bad news for you. The next thing, <laughs> the next, the next thing that's coming out is The Bad Batch. Um, oh, okay. All right. Well, which, which, which shows, will, which will yeah. be fine, but I have a bad feeling that that the existence of that show is uh, potentially to tie in to the whole somehow Palpatine return type thing could be wrong. Yes. Right. Could, could, well, could be wrong. I was, I was thinking think, about well, this. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, like the, 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 you know, the pool of writers and creators in the world, right? Like you had before Disney, you have like the most thought, you know, sought after IP in the world, you figure they could get like the best writers, like maybe not, you know, the best, the best, but there's, you'd have, you have a ton of interest to draw from in this, this world. And they just got crap after crap pretty much the entire time <clears throat> until maybe Mandalorian, but really this. And it's, it's a shame. Like who, like whoever's picking these writers or leading this team, I know it's Kathleen Kennedy or Bob Iger or whoever, but like you, you if you figure they would have like a plethora of great talent who would love to get the opportunity to write and produce and direct in this in this world, and you have the most money. 
like they have everything going for them. And, but still my answer would be, I, I would start at assuming that whatever the next thing is, is going to be shitty. That would be my baseline. If it, do, if it doesn't have these guys, these brothers working on it, my, whatever it is next. That would, uh, that would not be my baseline. I would not share that opinion at all. These brothers are just good filmmakers who happen to cross over and they happen to be involved with, with Rogue One. I, I, I don't, I mean, if it, sure, if it's handpicked by Kathleen Kennedy, I would err on the side of it being shitty, but also I think there is, I, I, um, I don't want to punish people for coming into the star Wars universe and like taking risks and chances. So there might be some stuff that comes out that's bad or whatever, right? A lot of people solo, I mean, you know, not very good, whatever. Uh, but rogue one was a chance rogue one was like, okay, we're going to make a war movie, but make it star Wars. And the, the original idea with solo was we're going to make a comedy movie we're going to make like a, a buddy comedy kind of uh but make it star wars and, and it didn't end up being that in the final cut but like yeah i i mean there's going to be some crap that comes out but um yeah it's it's fine i mean i mean that's your opinion my opinion is my i mean the way i'm going to go into it is i'm assuming i'm a, i'm going to assume i won't like it and yeah. I th- it's just the ev- i think the evidence most of these sh- these uh disney shows solo the the sequels book of boba fett obi-wan they're just all trash i hate i didn't like any of them i really hated the sequels and um you know i don't think i'm punishing anyone for being creative i just think they sucked and uh i didn't like the the writing i mean some of the special effects were good i guess but like it's it's 2022 it's not 1998 like i don't care (laughs) if you're good at making special effects everyone can do that now so it's not impressive to me and i didn't like and they just need that like i think they got lucky here that's my guess is they got they got lucky with the gilroy guys getting involved again and that's it and so i'm I'm not holding my breath I, i hope to be wrong i hope to be wrong i hope the next thing's awesome but uh i think there's a really good chance it's not Fair enough. I mean, the next the 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 next two seminal things we're getting are Mandalorian season three and Ahsoka, mm. which we have been led to believe like tie in with one another, and we might be we also might be heading to this, uh, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe crossover event where all the storylines converge all at once. Although they're in they are in such a weird period of time the the i don't know i i just have been thinking more and more about this like what is that big tie-in event gonna so, be because there's only so yeah. much you could do because we know the first order comes back in like 10 years so davis we keep bringing up like how do they make somehow palpatine return like palatable and i think so i've thought about this a lot just going into season three because is so correct me if I'm wrong. I think season three is the last season of Mandalorian. Correct. I think that's it's what they've three. said. That's what they've said. But again, Bob yeah. Iger, the money train. I mean, you just you can't. I don't think you can there say hasn't for been, certain. There hasn't been a bigger cash cow at Disney in a long time since Grogu. Like Grogu correct. is like the cash cow. But anyway, so what I'm thinking. So obviously we had that episode of season two in the uh, of the Mandalorian where there was like the the genetic facility. And we saw like the cloning and everything there. So I still think that the most likely route that they take to tie that into the sequel trilogy is that somehow, they, and, and 
I would like to see them do this because it would be something that they haven't done since Revenge of the Sith ending like a, a series or a trilogy on a sour note. But I think that somehow the Empire or the Force Order are going to you know get Grogu and Grogu's blood or something about Grogu is what eventually makes Palpatine return. So I think that that is the most likely route that they take with that to try to tie it into the sequel trilogy because you take this thing that everybody has loved. Like you talk to anybody, Star Wars fan, non-Star Wars fan, everybody likes the Mandalorian, or at least everybody that I've talked to. Um, maybe not Brian, but um, you you know, you you bring this thing that everybody loves and you insert it into something that everybody hates being the sequel trilogy. And that's the tie-in. I think that it would be weird for them to make that jump, but if they're trying to get everybody to see the sequel trilogy in a more favorable light, that could be a way that they tie those two stories together. And, you know, I I don't know if I like it, but that seems to be the most logical route for them to take it because they have to come back to that storyline at some point in season three of The Mandalorian. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, man, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's. I, I, I hope they don't. I hope there's not, nothing to do with the sequels ever again, and they redo them eventually. But that I mean, does dude, make sense. This, it's all, we already yeah. know. We already know, dude. We already know that the Mandalorian is really an elaborate prequel for somehow Palpatine returned. We we got to talk yeah. about cloning. That's how they're gonna do it. Yep. Yeah, it's it just. You just got to accept it for what it is. I mean, it's gross, but what what can you do? Fucking lame. Yeah. You know, and whatever. The the rest of it, I mean, uh, the rest of it should be good, though, because it's going to be about, uh, you know, Katie Sackhoff's character and uh, and Din, you know, battling over Mandalore. Someone will probably die. There'll be some cool Darksaber stuff. It'll be, it'll yeah. be good. Somebody, somebody should tell Cassian at the end of this next season like oh, none of this really matters anyway yeah just gonna build another death star and then yeah. you're right pay. you're right that, your so, sacrifices do not matter that was that was a cool post-credit scene to see the death star coming together that was fun so i yeah. enjoyed that but, and then we get yeah. to see that he was actually building the, the was that what I, I assume that's what they were alluding to yeah. with that post-credit scene that's yeah. what the, okay. the thing he puts that little piece down and it's like it holds the yep. joints together yeah Okay, that's that's yeah. So very well done by them to tie that back together. Yeah, so. yeah. So good. The best, the best Disney Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, loved B two emo. Just loved that little, loved that little robot. I mean, all all the same feelings to me that I felt about R two as a as what a was, little kid. What was the theory that we were talking about with B2 Emo that he potentially becomes K2SO? Yeah, that, that Cassian. Yeah. I mean, he's with Cassian, right? He's he's got him. No, yes. he's with the the group of people, the Bix and them. Oh, and they say they say Cassian will come meet up with us. So yeah, that that theory still that theory still lives. Uh, Mon yeah. Mon has has sold her husband out to the Empire, sold her daughter off to to the Chandrell and Mob. Cyril and Deidre are hooking up in a broom closet uh, on on Ferrix. Um, you know who knows what ends up. I I you you have to think that probably Deidre is not going to be a big part of the storyline of the second series of the show because she's just ruined she, her whole career. She she's she going to be uh, on maternity leave. 
she'll be pregnant by then. So. Um, well, the, the, the cast of characters inside the Empire for the second season are going to have to be different because everyone we know just majorly fucked up. All the characters we met are are just were privy to a, a rebellion and didn't didn't quell it. Gilroy also said this is going to be year to years afterwards. Next season. Oh wow. Okay. So, who the hell knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here, guys. Good show. A yeah. uh, reminder to everyone listening, you can, if you if you enjoyed this, uh, we, we do these episodes. We'll do it for the Bad Badge. We'll do it for Mando. We'll do it for all of uh, all of the upcoming Star Wars stuff. You, you can go back and listen to all the recaps. You can see how much we got wrong or got right in, uh, in the creation of these programs. And uh, we will see y'all back next week. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.